What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Moments and Smack Talk podcast. We're on predictions number two of three of the week because we have AEW All Out 2022 to talk about. The last night's episode of Dynamite rounded out the card, hopefully, with 14 matches that we need to talk about here. And we got Rampage coming up on Friday night, so there are still going to be some things kind of lingering, but, you know, we'll get around to that when we can. And then pay-per-view is coming up this weekend, so what we're going to do is our usual preview here. We're going to tell you those 14 matches. We're going to give you our rundown of the predictions of who we think is going to win each of those matches, our excitement level heading into this, and all the other kind of things that go along with that. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, are Robert E. Felice. Hey, hey, everyone. It's all out time. And Callum Wiggins. Please, Mr. Khan, let me sleep. <laughs> this is uh, this is one of those weekends where I keep getting like, uh, you know, like, hey, like, you know, the, the AMC movies has like this like good deal or whatever. And it's only happening on the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I'm packed. And then <laughs> I'm feeling the burnout already of just being like, my God, by the time we get done the AEW show, we'll have gone through all of clash the castle and of course for anybody who's just like hey you know i'll binge watch whatever i'll skip through i'll do this keep in mind people like myself i'm doing like uh writing up an article beforehand and then afterward and the podcast stuff and then editing the podcast and all that we got that we got worlds collide and then we got all out and all out right now is seeming like there is no way this doesn't go from seven to midnight and then all the other things that go along after that. So, uh, when it comes to the burnout of this, I got a feeling <laughs> on the post show, it's just going to be like, my God, we didn't need five of these matches or something, but we'll talk about that and everything else here. And we want to know what your opinions are, whether or not you agree or disagree, just leave them in the comment section below and tell us what you're thinking while you're over there on youtube hit that like button hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that already ring that little notification bell to be alerted of all those emails of when things come out like when we start doing the live post shows for this then you'll get that email of like look they're already alive and here's the link to the podcast that's playing right now and so on and so forth and uh yeah and we'll bounce around with some of those other plugs in a little bit but generally speaking how are you guys feeling about this all out card? I mean, as you just touched upon from the media perspective, it's, it's a lot. And I'm sure by the end of the show, I will be echoing Kellen at the beginning of this show saying, please, Mr. Cotton, let me sleep. But as a wrestling show, as I feel for all three of the wrestling shows this weekend, very, very excited. Like, I think that this will be one of the best wrestling weekends all year. Yeah, I'm very pumped for this show. I think the vast majority of the matches are stuff that I'm really much, very much looking forward to. I think they're just going to be, yeah. You you always walk into an AEW show knowing that the vast majority of the card is going to deliver, and pretty much with that, they have a pretty faultless record so far of ha- delivering great pay per views after great pay per views. So I don't think, based on what I see here, that there's going to be any exception. Yeah, the only thing is. They probably don't need as many matches that they've got mm. listed here, but 
that's what you that's also just something that you come to expect by well, going into an aw show they're going to you can't say they don't give you their money's worth your money's worth essentially <laughs> when you when you order it so that's one thing to have going for i do think it's safe to acknowledge that this has been the most difficult road to a pay-per-view for this young promotion and i in some ways that reflected on the television show in some ways, it just reflected only if you read the dirt sheets. But I think that this doesn't feel as cohesive as last year's full gear, which I still think is one of just the best pay-per-views I've ever seen. When I look at this card, there is about half of it that I'm very excited to see. And then the other half is split in two of... I'm not interested at all, or I guess it's fine, but why is it on the pay-per-view? So, like, I'm kind of uh, I'm split as far as, like, I don't think at the end of this that I'm going to feel like I needed to watch that many hours and that it might have been, like, a less is more scenario. But we know that the people that are involved are damn good performers, so there's always the chance that even some of the matches that I'm least interested in could end up stealing the show. So I know that that's a good thing. And I'm really, really hoping that clash is good and that worlds collide is good because even though that's not anything that the AEW has any control over whatsoever, it is just one of those scenarios where if you're in a good mood, then things can be better. If you're in a bad mood, then that can influence things. I don't want to watch two bad pay-per-views and then go into this and feel even more like, my God, why are we wasting time with whatever? I just want to get done the weekend. I apologize in advance if that ends up being the case. I'm hoping, and I'm kind of thinking that it'll be the case, that those two previous events will end up being good. And I'll go into this feeling like, you know what? I'm still pretty energized. I'm still pretty pumped. But nevertheless, there's going to be some parts here where I'm going to ding some of this and some stuff I'm going to praise quite a bit and a eh, healthy mix, I guess. The Zero Hour pre-show right now, they're calling it Zero Hour instead of buy-in. I wanted to ask you guys about that. Do you like Zero Hour better? Do you like buy-in? Do you like pre-show? Do you like kickoff? So, uh, Cal- let me answer for Callum, because Callum's just going to say it's semantics and I don't care. <laughs> I think that the buy-in works for Double or Nothing. I like Zero Hour for the rest of them. I kind of thought he was going to stick to Zero Hour for Ring of Honor. I thought that would have been cool, and the buy-in could just be for AEW. But... I, whatever, I like Zero Hour. Do you not care, Callum? Well, Rob already answered for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just, just to be well, sure, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the name's good. Yeah, I think that like, Zero Hour is... A good, it's just like, it helps build up anticipation. I like I, I like buying as well, because it's just... It kind of does what it says on the tin, tin, and it's thematic. It's like, this is your last opportunity to buy the pay-per-view. Whereas this is, this is Zero Hour, you have to buy it now, otherwise you're going to miss out. And so... So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense thematically. I like Zero Hour the best out of those four. Like, pre-show is, like, if you just call it pre-show, it's kind of bland. And it's already assumed that that's the case. So, it's, you know, the WrestleMania pre-show. Yeah, it is the pre-show. You could call it the kickoff pre-show, the whatever pre-show, that kind of thing. Um, kickoff, I never really liked. Because it's just so football-centric. So, even though you can say this kicks off the pay-per-view... The reason why you're saying that is because of football. So I don't like that. I always liked 
gimmicky names, of course. You know, there's plenty of gimmicky stuff on Smart Guy Moment. Zero Hour I like better because buy-in to me is just a little bit too much of the gambling motif that we have spread throughout AEW where there's just too many gambling-related things. For the Double or yeah, Nothing, we'll it works. Or but the, for what? For the casino, uh, the ladder match. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something on Rampage. Um, but that, like, uh, the buy-in thing, I think could be better used for maybe something else. Like, uh, you know, you buy into the casino battle royale in some fashion and, you know, you, you get a second shot or, I don't know, whatever it might have been. So zero hour, that shift is like, ultimately, that's not a game changer. Uh, suddenly people are going to stop watching AEW or something. I like it better. This is one of those things to touch upon. But I'm not super thrilled about the matches that we're going to be getting on here, to be perfectly honest. One of them being the FTW Championship Hook against Angelo Parker, which I'm assuming is just a super quick match where Hook retains. And I'm going to probably go, all right, well, that didn't need to necessarily happen on here. No, it doesn't necessarily need to happen on this show, but Hook is over. And at least they're doing stuff with the FTW Championship, which they haven't really done too much of throughout its time in AEW. So it's good to have it pretty frequently defended now with Hook as the champion. And yeah, there'll just be a quick squash, but unlike um, 2.0, whenever they're involved in things, they're always entertaining. So I'm sure they'll make this entertaining as well. Yeah, and I Hook think, wins, obviously. Yeah, I think Hook is super over. And fans are, this is a traveling show. A lot of fans are traveling to Chicago for this. They want to see Hook. You send Hook. Angela Parker will swing, and Hook will duck it. He'll lock in the red rum, and Parker will tap out so quickly, and they'll cut a great promo that'll be funny and remind you why you love them anyway. It's a win-win, I think. So it's the most exciting thing that I'm looking forward to this, even if the match is short, is Matt uh, Menard on commentary. <laughs> funny guy. That daddy <laughs> magic is really fun. <laughs> The Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii match is something that I know people are going to fully disagree with me on. Everybody's going, oh my God, we're getting this on a free thing. This is crazy. This is awesome, whatever. And I'm like, what's the story? Morning glory. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fucking Kingston and Ishii. It's fine. Like they're going to beat each other up and Kingston's on the show and Ishii makes it feel like it's a crossover and it's special. It's just, it's really good promotion. It's, hey, I'm pulling rabbit out of a hat, but it's a good one. Why not do the Kingston and Ruby against Ty and Guevara match? Why do you match? think? Why do you think, bro? They, they Kingston clearly... is the one that got suspended, though. Why is he getting a pay-per-view match and Sammy isn't? Because I'm telling you, well, Tony Khan said on a media call about an hour ago that, hey, stay tuned to Rampage. We're going to add maybe more matches to either the buy-in or the pay-per-view, so... We'll see, but I'm, I bet Sammy will be at the pay-per-view as well. Because that, to me, that's just going, okay, well, we're going to avoid doing the story match and throw another match on there. Aren't you interested in seeing it? And that's always my criticism about AEW is the idea of it doesn't need a build-up. Person versus person, don't you want to see it? And even if I do want to see it, a lot of the times I'm like, that's fucking lazy, you know? Like... I'm not going to get anything out of the Ishii and Kingston match that I haven't seen before, most likely. And if I wanted to rewatch that, I'd rewatch it. 
let me take the that time for the Sambi match and do the feud that you've been actually putting time in. That's my criticism. I'm sure it'll be fine. My argument to that would be at this point, they haven't put too much time in because more than the Ishii thing. Right. That's why it's an attraction and it's just meant to hook the audience and those that might want to watch on YouTube. Even if they had been putting like considerable effort on all the, the background of the Kingston and Sammy Guevara incident and the suspension, if all that hadn't happened and they'd just been steadily building the feud over for the next, the past month or so, I'd still rather watch this match. So I'm kind of, Oh, it's, it's bad circumstances that led to a good thing. I'm getting to see Tomohiro Ishii <laughs> versus Eddie Kingston. This is so much better than I could have imagined. I, I do agree that like, more, more often than not, I would prefer a story rather than just them throwing something together and just say, oh, watch this. But I also feel like there's more enough matches on the card that have that story behind it that I'm totally fine with them just throwing a a, a quote-unquote dream match for people that are fans of both New Japan and AEW just on the kickoff show. That, for me, is just, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. And Tomohiro Ishii Ishii is one of my favorite workers in New Japan. Eddie Kingston is one of my favorites in AEW. So this should be super hard-hitting, and I want to see them do it again on a New Japan show in the future. Everybody going Kingston? Uh, Yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, they're going to New York soon for a Grand Slam, so it'd be good to give him a victory here. And the third match from the Zero Hour is Pac defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Kip Sabian, which, correct me if I'm wrong, the feud is essentially Sabian had been ringside with like his face covered in different things for at least four months, if not longer. Um, feels like it's been longer than that. And then eventually Sabian just kind of started like picking on Pac on like these random indie shows. So he would be... What they've been doing is for a good long number of months. I think it's way longer than four months, but they've had Kip Sabian sitting in the front of the crowd with the box on his head and saying things like underrated and over it, essentially just to get. And it's built up to enough there. People who are quote unquote smart fans, people that pay the close attention to the product, know it's Kip Sabian, know the whole story behind it. They've talked like Excalibur and others have been talking about it on commentary openly. Everyone knows that it was Kip Sabian. They do the whole swerve in the trios match where Pac takes the the box off and it's just this random guy that's been beaten up and tied up and put in the box and Kip Sabian attacks him from behind. And so, yeah, as I build to a championship match on a show, this is not good. Yeah, not it's pretty weak. Uh, yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty weak. Um the benefit is that Pack is great and I'm I'm down to always see him in a singles match. And Kip Sabian, it'll be interesting to see what this time away from the ring has done for him in terms of how he approaches things. He's already he's already got a new look about him with the silver hair. He seems to be a bit more of a have a bit more of like a dastardly I don't say like saying Joker is a bit too um it's given that him way too much credit but a bit more of a like villainous streak about him beyond just being you know the the guy that he was before which is essentially penelope ford's like cocky boyfriend and now husband now husband but um but yeah he seems a bit more he's got an edge about him now so maybe that comes across in this match as i this one just hope for a good match 
and Pax Rotine. I like that Sabian. I, I like what they did with Sabian. I feel like this is one of the, the few things that's like, we're going to reward you for watching Dark and watching these random all Atlantic Championship matches. They clearly have a different vibe with that belt that they're not doing with anything else. I don't understand the 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 lore behind what Sabian is doing. And like when Pac took the box off the other guy, the other guy had like all this makeup on his face. And is that going to be a thing? Like is Kip Sabian going to be like uh, a Batman villain in the sense that he's got weird henchmen that are all dolled up to be like him? I I think he should win. I think Kip Sabian should absolutely win. Give him something to do. You know, like, you've had this guy since day one. He's one of the few day ones. And you've done next to nothing with him. Give him something to do. Give him this belt. I, I like the belt. It It's just being defended around the world. And it should be a really fun match here. And have Pac lose it so that he can be more stateside and in AEW. I think it's kind of a win-win-lose-lose scenario because if they give it to Sabian then that's like it's good for Sabian but it's bad for Pac because as we were just talking about when they were leading into the end of the tournament pretty much everybody I mean I would assume nobody seemingly disagreed with our statements about this but we were saying Pac could really use that all Atlantic title because they've done fuck all with him and I don't know if they've done enough with that all Atlantic title since then to make it go like, okay, well that justified punk uh, pack and there you go. Now he can drop it and then he's made. So it's kind of, do you sacrifice pack for Sabian or do you run into a situation where pack retains and then Sabian is left with what does he do? Well, now that I know how the belt is being utilized, I can honestly say I would rather Sabian have it so he can go, and get some matches in across the globe because I feel like they'll use Pac. They have a trio's title now. They have, you know, all these different things for Pac. Sabian can be the representative of the company overseas and can get to do matches that will maybe shine a spotlight on how he works and his persona. How long has Pac been champion? Uh, since, since Forbidden Door. Since Diffin's been Forbidden Door, so... That was, uh, the end of, that was the end of May. Yeah, so that's, that's a bit No, sorry, end of June. Yeah, end of June, yeah. Sorry. That was uh, end of May. About two months. 65 days, according to Wiki. Uh, I mean, I guess that technically could be long enough if they wanted to do that. I still think Pack retains, but I'm not going to lose sleep over if uh, Sabian ends up winning that. Yeah, I like Sabian, I mean, I, so... I, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer Pac to retain as well. And realistically, if any, if we've seen any trend, is the fact that Pac just stays in the US for like a month or so at a time. So realistically, he's actually the perfect representative of AEW to be at these Rev Pro shows and all these other places because he goes back to the UK fairly frequently. So, so he should probably be the one. Kip Sabian is the one that's more likely to stick around with AEW. Does he live in the United States, you know? Yeah. I presume he lives with Penelope, yeah. I don't know where she might live. She might live with him in the UK or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he moved to the States when he signed with an American-based company. Yeah, most likely. Then again, uh, you know, JBL has moved around and everything, too. So you never really know for sure. But I'm going to go pack retains. 
I think that that's probably the most likely scenario. I I would prefer Kip wins, but I think Pack retains. And then Callum's gonna yeah, yeah, go yeah, back to yeah. yeah. So that is the pre-show block, at least right now. They might add something else. They might tweak things. Who really knows? We don't even have spoilers for Rampage because it's airing live. So we can't just jump ahead and be like, all right, well, you know, in a couple of days, we're or actually tomorrow because it's Thursday. I can think of it as Wednesday. Uh, it's not going to be like, oh, tomorrow night they're going to announce that this match happens and blah, blah, blah. But um, if they do make any adjustments, of course, we'll get some kind of stuff going on with that. But if you buy the pay-per-view, you get access to another dozen or so matches. And if you're interested in buying things, you should buy yourself a subscription to our Patreon and to the YouTube channel membership, because that helps us out a long way. So if you've got a dollar a month to spend and you, you want to pass it our way, or it's, you know, $10 for the dark cast here, or you want to take advantage of the pick or poison tier and make sure that we do some kind of special feature of some sorts. Same thing, of course, applies to fanboysanonymous.com. So if you want more of something like the Top Gun Maverick fan tracks that we did last night, then you can request something on that. Pick a poison is basically the exact same thing. It's all funneling to a mango tree. It's all watering the roots to that plant. And then uh, you got the little thanks button too. And when we're doing these live post shows over the weekend, remember we got the super chats as well. So that's a great way to make sure that you get your opinion out there and make sure that we notice it because, you know, we're clicking on a whole bunch of different things and noticing other things happening without our pay-per-view post shows and everything. But if you want some, merchandise you got t public and you got Redbubble, and there's also the little uh paypal button <laughs> if you want to do something direct like that but the best way to make sure that we keep doing stuff on smart at moment is to open up those wallets and share a little bit with us and we we greatly appreciate anything that you guys do on that front but let's get into the next biggest chunk of the pay-per-view the actual main card I don't know where to start even with this one. So I'm going to start off with uh, the trios match. One of the trios matches, I should say, since there's like four of them. We got Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns against FTR and Wardlow. And this is something that I've written on multiple things. I think I got to write it on like one or two more at this point because there's like each pay-per-view is, you know, five articles or whatever. I would be more interested, honestly, in Wardlow versus Jay Lethal separately and FTR versus Motor City Machine Gun separately than this six-man tag. I like that people are on the card, but it makes me go, really, that's all you're doing with the TNT Championship? That's kind of lame. The match is going to be great. So that's good. That's a, a saving grace. But I am a little bit disappointed that that's the best they could come up with. And uh, I like the idea that Motor City Machine Guns are popping up for this random thing, but I do think that the six-man tag waters it down a little bit, and I would rather see FTR straight up just two-on-two against Saban and Jelly. Wardlow and FTR win. I'm not going to disagree with you that I wouldn't rather see a straight-up tag match, but I I think the six-man is here because they don't want to put Wardlow in the ring with Jay Lethal again and another... One-on-one, I think if I had my way, it'd be Wardlow against anyone else not named Satnam Singh or Jay Lethal, and FTR against Motor City Machine Guns. First of all, I just think it's cool that they're doing the Motor City Machine Guns, because for five seconds, this was going to be Satnam and Sanjay and Lethal. Yeah. The pinnacle. So There's no comparison. This is the better match. 
love me some machine guns. I'd love to see an all-league graphic next to their names. And I'd like to see them have a, a good run, a good final run in a strong promotion. Um, in my dream world, machine guns pin FTR in some fashion to allow for a tag team match at the next Ring of Honor show or on a Dynamite or on a Rampage. I don't care. I want to see the match. So that that's what I would do. But I think Pinnacle gets the win. Are they still calling themselves Pinnacle? They, they, have, they have, yes. Huh. That's interesting. By the way, where the hell is Sean Spears? <laughs> <laughs> he disappeared with Maxwell, which I think is fun. I mean, he's the only one that, when who knows where MJF is. <laughs> that would be a good story. Also, his wife is pregnant, so I guess... Like, uh, that, that is true. That aspect of it as well. But um, I, I, I'm looking forward to this. I think this all six guys involved I like, so I'm sure they'll put a really good match together. And it'll be fun to see FTR mixing up with the most machine guns. It's kind of... It, it's odd because you always consider FTR as the old school guys because they're very old school, traditional with the tag team. But uh, it's like the most machine guns have been around forever. But And so it's almost like a a clash of generations almost. So that's, that's really good to see. I think that we will see the tag team match down the road, but I don't think they, with, with the, again, the volume of matches they have on this show, I don't think they needed to give away FTR most machine guns or put world low in a separate match, because that means that we get to see Wardlow versus Jay Lethal on an episode of Dynamite or Rampage in the next couple of weeks. And we might get to see FTR versus machine guns on the next ring of honor pay-per-view. Who knows? One thing is that I like that they bring in people to elevate matches and it's good to see the, yeah, the Motor Machine Guns seemingly are going everywhere. Their main home at the moment appears to be Impact, but they go other places as well. So I'm hoping that they can, I don't necessarily need them to be strictly AEW bound because I think there's a lot they could do in New Japan and there's a lot they could do, still doing Impact as well. They're definitely helping out over there. So but a one-off match with FTR over the, what in an ideal world, a one-off match between FTR and the Motor Machine Guns for the Ring of Honor and Impact tag team titles where FTR can win another set of tag team titles. <laughs> that would probably be the most ideal scenario for me. But either way, I'd look forward to seeing the two-on-two eventually. Let's uh, just build towards that FTR versus the Usos match. <laughs> I, I would be so, so up for... It would be amazing. They win every single tag team titles there are on the planet except the one of the promotion they're actually in. That's true. Yeah, the uh, the AEW titles are uh, pretty much not in their reach for some reason. Should have been maybe uh, FTR beating the Young Bucks, the Bucks but, you but... know. Then again, when we're talking about should have been when it comes to the Young Bucks... Uh, actually, let's talk about that. We don't know for sure who the other team is going to be right now yes, for the AEW world trios <laughs> championship. But well, we don't know for sure, but it's 99.9% most likely that it's dark order. And we're going to see hangman Adam page, John silver and Alex Reynolds against Kenny Omega and the young bucks. And I had written up on like three articles in the past two days, man, it's really a shame that we're not getting that elite versus the undisputed uh, trio here. That's what I want to talk about. And, you know, it's pretty obvious that Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly would have made for an even more interesting match. But I'm cool with Dark Order and that'll be interesting and the Elite will win and, you know, all that. But then it comes out that Bobby Fish is gone and it's like, oh, so where 
not only not getting it here, we're not getting it. <laughs> like literally, well, Sean Ross had reported last night that Bobby Fish's contract was likely to not be renewed. A few hours ago, PWI reported his contract expired yesterday and he's a free agent. And now listen, they can still sign him, but how do you drop that? How do you drop the ball? And like, even my own bias aside, like, how do you not go, hey, can we make sure that we do this? And then you, if you don't want to be here, go, go. But can, can we do this one first? This is I, definitely I, going to be on that list of, you know, with the WWE one, we've got like, why didn't they do Sting and Undertaker? Why didn't they do uh, the Four Horse Women against Four Horse Women? Why didn't they do et cetera, et cetera? Well, this well, will be the AEW one of, man, the injuries got in the way. And then right when people are ready, <laughs> potentially, you, you don't, one of them's already gone anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, as as I as I direct answer that, the reason why they didn't do this match is because they couldn't do this match, and we have no idea how long it's going to be before Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are back in the ring. Like they had that one-off thing where they took out um, they took out the Bucks a couple of uh, weeks ago, seemingly building towards that match, but we don't know how ready they are to go in ring-wise. So it could have been, it could still be several months away. And at that point, do you keep Bobby Fish around if you have no intention of using him? And seemingly, Bobby Fish is making, well, I don't say like he's making direct overtures, but he seemingly is keen to go back to WWE. And if he does, then I presume it would probably be in more of a coaching capacity because right. his in-ring days are probably numbered. But Especially by himself. Like, he's not... I mean, look, it's going to sound kind of mean, but Bobby Fish was the fourth member of the Undisputed Era. Like, he's very clearly the one that wasn't going to get the singles push. So he comes into the Performance Center, he coaches, maybe he joins up with Roderick Strong at NXT, and we get Strong and Fish against uh, the Creed Brothers or something. That's probably where we're going, is something along those lines, and... If he's not happy in AEW, then I don't blame him for wanting to leave. But it's just one of those like, damn it, <laughs> we had this match as a possibility, and now it's seemingly off the table. Well, yeah, and I also think that it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they don't bring him in on a short term thing again and just yeah, like, make okay, sure they do that. We're just gonna have this feud. We have the elite lose to well, the elite win against the unfeud error or however you want to refer to them have a one-off match uh, full gear and then th- then poppy fish is gone and then you do whatever you're going to do with cole and o'reilly because cole and o'reilly i think are both signed for about five years aren't they so that's they're, so they're going to be there for a while and or and i know this sounds probably crazy and sacrilege to a lot of people you could find someone to replace bobby fish maybe you're actually strong I mean, I mean, may, I don't know if Roger Strong would want to leave now that the raging changes happened. I don't also that's, know that's when, yeah, when Roger Strong's contract is going to expire. Yeah, well, don't know when his contract's going to expire. But there are some really good names on the independence scene, and it's not like it's not like it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that some, like a young guy who's either currently in AEW or on the independence scene, say, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying this person in particular, but say a Dante Martin a guy who they could mould into being, who they see a lot of potential in, but doesn't shown a lot of character yet. 
putting him with guys like who have the like just the insane technical wrestling ability of Kyle O'Reilly and the unbelievable character and promo ability of Adam Cole, that can only benefit someone who is kind of I would say lacking in both of those things, but definitely is more of just a high spot wrestler. So just finding someone who could fit in with those two or benefit from being part of them, almost being like the who, the wheelie uter in the uh, Blackpool Comeback Club, just somebody who can elevate themselves over time by being associated with them. I don't, I don't think that's completely out of the question either. No, but it doesn't yeah. have the same value. It's kind of like just saying, you know, the replacement should be good enough because that's working along those lines. Yet everybody knows the real like fun part of it was the real team thing yeah oh yeah i i I totally get that but i kind of think the big thing is cole versus omega anyway i I mean i I don't don't think there's as much stock in the um well the bucks are great and uh red dragon are great but i don't think there's as much stock in that side of things i mean and i I agree with you and i understand what you're saying and i sympathize and all that stuff it's just like for me, it also points out another issue that, wow, Bobby Fish has been there for a year already. And I feel like they were just warming up with what they could do. And we're almost coming to a full year with Cole this weekend. And uh, Kyle will be a full year in a couple months. I just feel like, yes, injuries got in the way and things happened, but it also feels like, man, I think we can all agree this was not the boom, pardon the pun, that it should have been. I, I disagree with that. Like, Adam Cole got two world title matches. He won the Owen Hart tournament. Basically, I'd say that Adam Cole has, well, I'll, I'll put it this way, and, I, I, and again, this might get a negative opinion as well. Um, Adam Cole has been overexposed and it's underdelivered. I think uh, he's he's not the guy anymore, and it's quite clear to see that he 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 won't be. And I don't think, based on his performances and just overall, like just feel in AEW, should be the guy in AEW at any point. I I came in just thinking like, oh yeah, he'll probably be an AEW world champion at some point. I've come away from this past year thinking, yeah, he shouldn't ever be AEW champion. So here's why I I don't agree with that. I think Adam Cole came into NXT the same way. I think he came in feeling hot off of ROH and then took a really long time to become the guy in NXT. And then once he did, he ran the brand for a year. I think he could have that kind of run. But I'm just saying in terms of this in particular, I think maybe they had an idea and it got way sideways. And it's definitely not what... I thought they were going to be, but I guess we should probably move on to talking about the actual title match. Oh, the elite win. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, of course the elite win, but the interesting part of this is the the interaction between Hangman Page and the elite. So, again, that's that's a story that they just can they continue to run, and it's it's never felt stale. This story, they've always found new ways to just add a new dimension to it. And now it's the elite are all back together, and they seem that they're a bit they're they're cool with, well at least the Bucks feel like they're cool with Paige, but we don't know what Omega's 
interaction with Paige yet because they haven't spoken since. And the last time that Omega was in the ring prior to the trios tournament was losing the world championship to Paige. So, so I think that that will be an interesting dynamic. And I think the match will be really good because John Silver's always great in the ring as well. And Alex Reynolds will play the role of the guy being beaten up before the hot tag to either Paige or Silver. So that's, that's a, but yeah, the elite are definitely going to win the trios titles. It was made for them pretty much. Yeah, I would argue that I don't love that it. they did everything under the sun to make it Hangman, Silver, and Reynolds. I understand why. I, I just think that in the process, they made the Dark Order look weak. Like, Andrade beat the shit out of Evil Uno. And you just at some point, you just feel bad for this group. But it should be a really fun match. And if it wasn't for the fact that Hangman's going to be in there, and I don't. he still has not proclaimed himself as a member of the Dark Order, and I don't know if he ever will. I, I think Elite has to win here, and we find out what everybody's going to do once we move on from this. I don't even know if they have a game, a game plan following this. It could just literally be like, well, we'll have the belts on the Bucks and Omega, and we'll sort it out. Because they've got a lot of trios, and... It kind of, I don't know, maybe get, this is a little harsh or something, but it kind of gives me the feel lately with the way that AEW has been that there was a plan leading up to Paige winning the title and maybe MJF following that and then MJF doing that completely screwed everything up and then everything's kind of gone like sideways and then all the belts are sort of just like, well, we'll figure it out now and we're kind of in that WWE range of it could change week to week a little bit. I don't know. At least we're getting those trios titles because they've been teased for like three years. So it is what it is. If best friends suddenly become the challengers to the elite, then that's going to be interesting. But that still doesn't change my opinion. The elite win. I would love to see the best friends win, though. I think they deserve it. Let's see. uh, I'm just saying what else we can bounce to. Um, you go to the other trios match? Yeah, we could go to that. Uh, the House of Black is going up against Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro. There's a rumor going around. I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. I put very little stock in it, I should say. But there is a rumor going around. I, I know where you're going. Put zero stock in it. Yeah, with an X. Uh, that Malachi Black requested and was granted his release and it's just working like 30 days before he's going to be gone. I don't buy into it and crazier things would have happened. You know, in the world of professional wrestling, there has been plenty of instances in the past where it's like, that doesn't make any sense. And the next thing you know, poof. But I do think house of black is losing this. And it is kind of interesting. I'll say that, that Darby Allen's whole thing leading up to this on dynamite was a promo about hey malachi black like you loser you don't uh you need the other two people and they don't need you i'm like is that the story we're telling here i don't know this isn't one of my hook kind of matches it's certainly not the one with hook in it Uh, (laughs) but it's just one of those yeah there's a lot of people throw them on the card i honestly don't really like house of black I've given them enough chances now to feel special. And it's basically the same as judgment day where I'm like, all right, this makes sense on paper, but I'm not intrigued 
and I'm more into just Miro cutting a promo than anything that's going to happen in this match. So, uh, you know, Sting's group wins. Why not? This is one of those segments I think I'm going to end up being like, I want this to be short. Oh, I want this match to go for a little while because every time that I see uh, House of Black in a trios match on pay-per-view, it's one of the best matches on the entire card. And I think this one will be a bit different because you've got Sting and Sting. Sting's fun for what Sting does, but he is somewhat limited now in the fact that he's in his early 60s. So he can only do so much. Darby will be great. Miro will be great as well. I think that this will be a fun trios match. I think it's going to be more uh, story-driven than the two of... Or I, I can say that the Elite, if it is, uh, Hammond Page will probably be a heavier amount of story on that side of things. But I think this will be more the story side of things, whereas the other trios match will be more just like, guys going out there trying to have the best match possible. I think there's going to be more of a a different feel with this one. And we've already seen a lot of Darby and Brody King, so that's good. It'll be good to see Darby match up with Buddy Matthews a little bit more. And, yeah, I think that it's a bit up in the air, the result of this one. I think they'll go with Alan Sting and Miro as well. But it's more of a coin flip, really. I think they could go... Um, they could they could definitely go House Black, especially if you have uh, Julia Hart get involved. This would be quite interesting if it was like Julia Hogg tries to get involved, and this is where we finally see the debut of CJ Perry with Miro. Hmm. You know, that's something I hadn't even thought about, but you're absolutely right. I've actually quite liked what Julia Hart's been doing on um, the, in the few matches that I've watched on like Dark and Elevation that she's had in ever since joining the House of Black. She's um, she's a lot more intimidating in this in this persona, so I think that's working out for her. I think she could be a she should probably be challenging for the women's title at some point by the either end of year, this year or early next year. Probably not winning it, but challenging for it. I always like Julia Hart. I thought she's got a bright future. I don't really dig her as part of House of Black, but then again, it's way like better I, than the cheerleader. It's way better than the cheerleader stuff. How long has this feud been going on with Darby Allen and House of Black? Um, Four months. Not that long, has it? What was Darby and Brody King? Like Brody King, um Brody it, it followed uh, Brody King taking Darby Allen out of the um battle royal to win the shot to face Moxley. Yeah. And so, so that's after the, so that's after the door. Yeah. The amount of content with thinking that it's been like a very long time. It hasn't. Hmm. It's, been, it's, been about, it's, been about, it's been about a month or two, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, it feels like it's uh, I'm ready for them to move on though. <laughs> I'm sure this will probably be a blow. I think it will be a blow for the Allen and Sting involvement. I think Miro could continue fighting the House of Black for a, a bit longer, but at least that's they should definitely at least do a Miro versus Malachi Black one-on-one match at some point. I'd actually look, actually be looking forward to see him against Brody King as well because that could be a real pass fight. So, so three votes for Miro's group. I think so. I would imagine so. Yeah, I'd go. I'd go with Miro's group winning. House of Black does need a win, though, if we're just being honest. Like, they need a win. Now, the other trios match, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do have one more tag team match, at least on this card. That is the Swerve and Our Glory tag team title defense against the Acclaimed, which I am a big fan of both of these teams in the sense of I like all four guys. 
I really want the acclaimed to win these tag titles, but this isn't going to be when it happens. And I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm feeling like, why is this necessarily happening? Uh, the acclaimed is feuding with the guns. Why isn't there at least like a triple threat with the guns involved? Swerve and our glory just sort of popped up and they're like, yeah, you guys, we're going to fight you. But it does. Well, they're the most winningest team of all time. So yeah, they get the title match. It's a nice little break from the recent tradition where it's not going to be a triple threat match for the tag team titles on a pay-per-view. So so that's a little, um, a nice little uh, switch up. But I think that, yeah, this one doesn't have a lot going for it beyond the fact that they claimed a popular and a good team and Swerve Not Glory are great and popular as well. So the match itself, I'm sure, will be fun. And whether the rap that, Max Caster comes up with will be great as well, but uh, it doesn't really have a lot of momentum. There's no story. There's there is no fuel behind this one beyond the acclaimed or ranked, and so they get an opportunity at the tag titles, and that seems to be the the trend for the tag titles when a member of the elite isn't holding them. Yeah. <laughs> so so, um, so yeah, it's not it's not uh, it's not it's one of the matches that's uh, the weakest. Me on the card, I think it's gonna get completely swallowed up too. Because, I mean, we yep. look at we haven't gotten into some of these matches that are gonna be real bangers, and already we're like so many matches deep on this. This is gonna get one of those spots where they just throw it in between two other matches and people forget it even happened. I think, mm. yeah, I like, I think that the acclaimed should win. Even if they hold the belts, like what's wrong with people holding belts for a couple weeks? Like, you, why why can't the acclaim just hold the titles to say, "Hey, they're a great team. They've been a huge part of this company. Give them the belts, and then if you want them, have them drop it to literally anyone. Doesn't matter. I think that they deserve it here. That being said, I think this will probably get swallowed up by many of the more meaningful matches on the card, and I think Swerve and Our Glory wins. Mm-hmm. Definitely go with the champs retaining. Yeah, I'll go with the champs retaining as well. I think there's other title switches that could happen. So, yeah, and I think that there's there there are more legs to Lee and Strickland as the champions, and I think the acclaimed will get their opportunity sometime in within. Well, I say within the next year, but at, at least by next year they'll probably be in a a better position to win the titles. Uh, let's go to the casino ladder match. Now that match right now doesn't have the Joker, of course, because they, they don't say that <laughs> at a time, but the participants that we do know that are going to be involved in this are Andrade, Claudio, Dante Martin, Penta, Ray Phoenix, Roosh, Wheeler, Yuta, and then of course the Joker that we don't know. So plenty of people could be that Joker. I know a lot of people are thinking that it's MJF. Some people are thinking that this is a new signing. Some people are even throwing already in there that that's W. Morrissey, but the fact that he popped up already kind of spoils that, so I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, as far as just, like, uh, Joker predictions, who do you guys think is going to fill that last spot? Like, the the pattern of the match says it's going to be Darius. And I, uh, no offense to Darius, I hope he's healthy, I hope he's ready to go, but, like, I wouldn't be that interested in the winner because it's a lot of 
tag team guys. Now, yes, Penta has, you know, his world title run impact, and they could all have great singles matches, but I kind of want a lot of top-tier challengers that I think would be singles going forward. I don't think it will be Darius. I feel like it should be MJF. I know that it would be weird for him to just show up, but maybe in that Joker role, he can show up quickly, run, grab the chip or whatever it's going to be, and run away. But I feel like it should be MJF, but since I don't know who it's going to be, I'm going to play it safe and say Claudio wins it. I think the Joker will, is most likely going to be MJF. That seems to be... like People are speculating, like Meltzer saying, that he's coming back soon. So that doesn't necessarily mean that he gets involved in this. He could get involved in the main event. There could be other ways for him to turn up than not be in this ladder match, and they could have something else up their sleeve. I have no idea what the other person could be, but with AEW, you never know because they seemingly have a relationship with pretty much every other wrestling promotion on the in the world. So you could just pick up someone randomly from New Japan and just say, oh, well, we've thrown Okada into this. Uh, yeah, like, hey, let's Okada one. Now we're having this match. I think that there is scope for whatever the hell Stokely Hathaway has got brewing up because he is, well, signing or giving his... Um, his card to a lot of people. So W. Morrissey, the, the guns. Ethan Page. Uh, yeah, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty. So there are a lot of people, and at the moment we have no idea where that's going. But there is some, but based just on that interaction that he had with Tony Schiavone on the recent Dynamite, where they pretty much like had to be pulled apart from each other almost. Um, I think that they are building, he's building up something and it almost seems like it's going to be like a takeover type angle that you can't sign that many people to your quote unquote stable and not be trying to do some sort of like hostile takeover type move. So it'd be interesting to see what direction they took and if they decided to lead that with having one of their, those representatives to be the Joker in this match. But I'd say if MJF is in it, then MJF will win. I think the likelihood is that whoever the Joker is is probably the most likely one to win this match. But they typically, the Joker is typically someone who does win the Casino Ladder match as opposed to the Casino Battle Royals, which t- tend to just go to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there is a precedent fully- for like all sorts of things at this point. Like We've had people in the past that have won these Casino matches that are essentially mid-card acts. And they just get a random title shot on like Rampage and then it's the end of it. Like this isn't like Money in the Bank where I mean Money in the Bank, they've kind of thrown some of those off the side, but Money in the Bank or like the Royal Rumble win, I should say. That's a better uh, equivalent. Royal Rumble, you know, it's supposed to be a big, big deal. The casino matches, sometimes they're like, hey, look at that. It's a, uh, I don't know, it's um uh, Captain Sean Dean. And he fights and loses. <laughs> but I will, I will say this: I, as we were talking, I thought of someone else. What about Samoa Joe? Could be Joe. I think I think that it's definitely. I don't think it's going to be a signing. I think it's definitely going to be a return. And I'd be down for Joe. You mean it's not going to be Johnny Elite? Oh, well, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I'll say that. But 
I, I, I'd say out of the names that are currently announced, if we, if we decide to just like bypass the Joker, even though I think most of us think that depending on who the Joker is, that's the most likely one to win. I think we all agree. If MJF is in this match, he's winning. Oh yeah, most certainly. <laughs> but um, out of the names that are currently announced, who has the biggest shot of winning? I don't know because they're all pretty level petting. And the one that I'd want to see win the most is actually Penta because I think he's the one that hasn't had an opportunity at the world title yet, whereas pretty much everyone else has. Beyond, the only other one is really Andrade. I mean, Claudio is a world champion, so he doesn't need it. Willie is a champion as well. Um, yeah, so the only two that haven't really never had a shot at the world title were Penta and Andrade. And out of the two of them, I'd prefer to see Penta take on the, whoever the champion is. I think it also depends on who the champion is, because if we believe that it's like Mox coming out of the pay-per-view, I'd like to see Wheeler Yuta get a shot against Mox. If we believe that it's you know going to be Punk, well, then everybody under the sun looks good because he hasn't fought any of them. So it all depends on that match as well. But I think if I had to lock in an answer, I'd say MJF Joker, MJF wins and that's your grand slam title match if we're limiting it to the non-joker picks i think that i'll spoil this i think punk's winning the title back i could see yuda winning this just so punk has somebody else to beat that's like adjacent to moxley without beating claudio because he is the ring of honor world champion I don't think Dante has any chance whatsoever. I think he's here to do like, you know, jump off the ladder and whatnot. I think that kind of Penta and Ray are in the same sort of boat. Roosh, maybe. Andrade makes sense in the idea that he is somebody who's a big enough name that I could see getting a title shot and whether it's against Mox or against Punk, that it's got some draw to it and, you know, he could be starting a new feud or anything. But I am leaning more towards the Joker just because, look, the Joker stuff, you're always going to have that mystery box. And if I don't know who it is and it could be a big, big deal, then why wouldn't I think that that person could potentially end up winning this? So I'm going to officially put a stamp in there. I My pick is the Joker. And I do kind of think it's probably going to be MJF. So where are we TBS title. Let's go to that one. Jade Cargill is finally going up against Athena. And a few weeks ago, I would have thought, oh, okay, Athena has a good chance of winning this. I don't anymore. I think it's just Why? straight up Jade Cargill retains because Athena hasn't been giving me the vibe that she's got the momentum to win. Or nor that Cargill seems like she's on the way out of being champion. Athena needs to win. Jade Cargill needs to get the first loss out of the way just so... I think the longer you wait, the more it potentially just swallows itself and will inevitably be a letdown when whomever eats her, you know? I think that, yeah, I, I don't think they built up Athena enough to be credible, to, enough to beat Jay Cog both feeling like an, not so much an upset, but just a... Well, that was it. That was the reason why you were building up a 30-plus match winning streak to have her lose to someone who doesn't feel over at the slightest, really. So, I mean, Athena will probably have a good match with Jade, but I still don't feel invested in her. 
I think that the route they should go is, and I don't, I'm pretty certain they won't go this route, but based on what uh, it is uh, Sean Ross Sapp's idea, which is you have Jay Cargill continue to be champion. She unifies the TBS championship with the AEW Women's Championship, and you substitute that for AEW Women's Tag Team titles. Because mm. they seemingly have more women's tag teams now that they could actually... You've got Ty, Conch- Ty Mello and Anna Jay. You've got Thunderstorm. You've got... Baker and uh, Baker and Jamie. Yeah, Jamie Hayter. You could probably team up... Um, uh, you've been teaming up... Um, you got the uh, baddies. Nyla Rose and... Nyla Rose and... Um, oh, what's... Marina Shafir. Do stuff with... You could do uh, Ford and the Bunny, still probably a tag team. Yeah, here's seen the problem Bunny I have with that. She's been injured. Here's the problem I have with that. You'd be getting rid of a secondary women's championship, which was touted as like this. Hey, look, isn't this this cool thing that we care about? I personally don't care about women's tag teams. Every promotion under the sun has them, and nobody's doing anything crazy great with them. So. Yeah. Like, just keep the TBS championship. I agree with you guys that Athena does not feel like she's a big enough star for this. But I'm getting to the point of, like, well, then who who will be? Because this promotion has a clear issue with building up its women. And it almost feels like Jade would be better off doing the Alaska thing of going... Here, I'm just forfeiting it, but there's no main roster for her to go to. Yeah. You know? No, I don't think that they're going to merge the titles in any fashion. I could see Cargill winning and then relinquishing the TBS title, yeah. but I don't think that they're going to like unify and get rid of the TBS title. No, I mean, I, either way, I think that Jade should remain undefeated before she, until she wins the women's title. Just do the Goldberg. This is the Goldberg approach. Yeah, and United States Goldberg title approach. thing. Yeah, the Goldberg approach works. It's like it it does work, and then do the well, do the more satisfying conclusion of having somebody but like, meaningful defeat them rather than you know a guy with a cattle prod. Yeah, <laughs> learn from the mistake of WCW. I still here's think a, that Goldberg should have turned heel and they should have done something like that. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, here's a serious question: Have you guys ever seen a satisfying conclusion to a winning streak? Trying to think of some of the um, winning streaks that have been out there. Like, think about Oscar. Think about Taker Mania. Like, have you ever seen like a winning streak come to a satisfying end? Uh, Crimson losing in TNI—that was fun. I, I mean, I just, <laughs> amen to that, brother. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that like it's something that you should do all time and come up with. Like, essentially, what you should do is someone with an undefeated streak should, in an ideal scenario. Should be a baby face, just runs for everybody at the start, just pick, pick, piles in wins and wins and wins and wins. And then you get to the point where people are sick of the winning streak, you turn them heel, then they just beat baby face after baby face after baby face. And then eventually a baby face like, rises up and beats them. Mm-hmm. That's the, um, uh, well, that should have been the Gunter on, or Walter. At the time, that should have been what he did. Except they had him lose its Survivor Series for some bizarre reason in like ten seconds. Dumb as shit. So, I hate that idea. Yeah, I know. But that's what he should have done. They like that should have been his story, and that pretty much was his story for NXT UK. Was he was practically undefeated for the entire time, and he like beat Dragonov, and Dragonov fought himself back up and 
claim the title. That should have been the whole story. Was that was Waters' first and only loss in WWE? So, so it, it in theory it can work. It's just people make mistakes along the way. I mean, yeah, I can't I can't think of any other ones in particular like. Brock Lesnar's undefeated streak ended disappointingly because they decided to give it to the big show for some reason. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's been like totally satisfying, but rules are there to be broken. You can, you can, there, there is a concept, concept, conception of an undefeated streak ending satisfyingly. And it would not end satisfyingly by having Athena win the title here. I think it would just sort of be, ah, okay, so she's the one. And then everybody just moves on, because Athena, she's got upsides to her, but look, I never was that enthralled in any storyline that Ember Moon was a part of, and being part of AEW was like a fresh start, and, you know, well, maybe she was kind of chained back in WWE and NXT. I haven't seen it since then, so I'm thinking that's just kind of what she brings to the table is she's good in the ring. Not the best. She's got passion and, you know, she should have a seat at the table, but not, you know, not getting the big chunk of Turkey or anything. I don't know why I'm doing all these table things, but um, you're hungry, Tony. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I am. I don't know, but um, I'm going to go Cargill retains. Yep. You guys do, right? Yeah, yeah I, I guess so. I guess it's it's the safer bet. As far as the interim women's world championship is concerned, there is a four-way match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, and Jamie Hayter. Thunder Rosa will eventually have to fight one of these people to unify the title and to like settle who's the real champion and all that. And I'm just going to go Tony Storm here because it seems that that was kind of a bigger deal was storm potentially beating Rosa, but uh, criticism that I can get back to is we just fucking saw that at forbidden door. And if we would have just had storm versus Rosa here, I would have been sitting there going, why the hell did we have that at forbidden door? Why didn't they do something different? Why didn't they switch it up a little bit here? We're going to get one of these people is going to win and they're not going to be the real, real champion until Rosa comes back. And then we're going to get probably storm against Rosa. Then hopefully Storm beats Rosa there and whatever, but I'm just not feeling it. Like if Sheeta wins, we've seen a Sheeta title reign, and this is sort of she's ranked, she gets in there at the end of it. There's no story behind that. If Hater wins, I don't feel like the division's gonna get any stronger. I feel like it arguably would feel a little weaker. If Baker wins, we've seen it before. If Storm wins, honestly, even though we haven't seen it before, Storm's not been doing anything that's really wowing me either so this division itself is just not feeling strong to me and the four ways like it's interesting in well we're gonna get a new champion kind of but it could just be rosa beats that person and then it doesn't matter anyway so for what should on paper seem like a huge deal i honestly don't fucking care i mean without crapping on the whole thing like that and i get it like, I, get, I get why you feel that way i do but a nicer way to phrase here's what here's what i would do it's not gonna be sheeta because she just here to fill in the blank 
I feel like you have options with Hater because Hater can win it and it can lead to a split between she and Baker because Baker can be like, well, you're an interim champion. You're not really doing what I was doing because I was the champion and carrying the whole division on my back. I think Baker, there's a good shot for Baker to win it because honest to God, like Baker is the only safe bet this division's ever had. I'm not going to sit here and say her reign was great because nothing this division's done has been great. But I think if you go with Baker and you go with the, the promise of an eventual Baker Rosa third title match, might have been more than three, but if you go with that, I think that's something to get excited for. Yes, Tony Storm was supposed to win, and that makes her an easy favorite here. But I think they are presented with an opportunity to not go with the story that Sean Ross Sapp already told the world that, hey, by the way, the, uh, Tony Storm was going to win at All Out. At that point, I wouldn't even have her do it just to do something different because you've told the world three weeks ago that Storm's going to win the belt. So do Baker or Hater and have them have a short program. And this is all contingent on when does Rosa come back? You assume because it's interim that it's got to be soon, but maybe she might actually be out for a while. I would get it on either. I'll say Baker. I, I'd do Baker for this one and then just try to rehab this fucking division. Do something. Do anything. But you need a Hail Mary in this division. There's no Mary on the roster. I hate you. <laughs> It's not aware of maybe the one of their real names is Mary. I don't know. I think uh, just as a the four way match as just a match, I'm looking forward to because if the tag team match they had on Dynamite this week was any indication, it should actually be these are the four probably best workers outside of um, Thunder Rosa that they have in the women's division. So if any any members of this uh, division could put on a great match than it's these four and so I'm hoping that it delivers for the actual ramifications of the victory I've already made my feelings clear about this I think Jamie Hayter is the is the absolute choice to win this match I think that it leads to the most storyline possibilities and has the best potential to kind of shake up the division a little bit if they decide to go with that because we know that they above all else, will prioritise Britt Baker's segments. Britt Baker seems to be the only woman they won't put in the 9.30 death slot. So having the one most closely associated with her without having to put the title back on Britt Baker makes the most sense for me. And it will it leads naturally to a feud between those two, which could be blown off at full year. Um, other than that, I would be happy to see Sheeta win the title because... In the similar vein to Moxley winning the interim title, it would be good for Sheeta to win a title in front of actual people and defend it in front of actual people after carrying the entire division on her back during the pandemic era. You know what? That's a good point that I didn't even think about. You're absolutely right. And Tony Storm would be fun as well. And, and realistically, I, I don't think I would be disappointed with either, or any of the four winning. Because, as Rob has rightly pointed out, it really doesn't matter because they don't give a shit about this division anyway. So it doesn't actually, <laughs> it doesn't actually uh, matter in the grand scheme of things. If they decide to get the title two, they'll still be uh, given like one ten minute match on Dynamite, one ten minute match on Rampage, and then we're supposed to care about them fighting the number one ranked person in the pay per view, even though the person who is number one ranked probably won most of their matches on Dark. 
So that is that's the general vibe of the women's division right now. They absolutely need to. Harsh. But, uh, but well, it's true. Well, like, <laughs> I was going to get to what I to something else that sounds harsh, but I think I'd be good with whoever wins here, as long as they also beat Rosa. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I'm not feeling Rosa, and I feel bad about that. But like, it wasn't a good run. You but, know, I mean, it's beyond that at this point. It's the there's a there's this now big looming cloud over Thunder Rosa beyond. The whole speculation about her dropping the title, this these incidents with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, the fact that she might be a bit reckless in the ring. I think that people are starting to turn on her on in beyond the kayfabe sense. It's now a point where the personality is starting to override the character, mm-hmm. and that, and I think that most people would be on board with any of these four women when they do do the unification match beating Rosa. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong with that because I don't know like how many people who watch AEW on a week to week basis actually know about the Thunder Rosa incident or know anything about it beyond the fact that, Oh, I like Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is fun or, or even don't care about Thunder Rosa or whatever. So I don't know whether just the fact that we're so inside the bubble where our view of it is being warped unnecessarily. I, but, that is true, but there. this is also one that they've leaned way too heavily into it. But yeah. the sandbagging stuff and that stupid, like, that, those stupid comments. Yeah, I know, it's just... But, yeah, that's just them being inside for the sake of being inside. Who knows? Maybe maybe Britt Baker decided to just print that T-shirt and come out with it because seemingly they don't like each other. So maybe Yeah, right, they really to... hate each other. Yeah, so, well, Rosa was decided... wearing it and everything, so. Mm. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe, or maybe that was just her. She said, "Oh, I printed this T-shirt. Can I wear it?" And they just went, oh, "Okay." But I think that whatever happens, whoever does end up winning the title here, it needs to launch a revival, which I'm a hundred percent certain will not happen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, my ultimate pick. I think Storm's winning. Um, I'll just because because I don't care either way. I'm just gonna go with the stick with my guns and go with Jamie Hayter. I'm gonna go with Baker. Poor Sheeta. <laughs> I am very excited about Christian Cage against Jungle Boy. That is one of the few matches that I can genuinely be like, okay, when that happens, I'm going to be like fully zoned in because I think that's gonna be one of the absolute best of the night. The feud, of course, it's not been the absolute best feud that's ever been in the history of pro wrestling or anything, but Cage has gotten a lot of great promo shots in there just like to get some buds going. Jungle Boy is somebody who is on the rise, and we know he can have a great match with pretty much anybody. He's arguably the most reliable and consistent performer on the roster where Jungle Boy goes out, you know it's going to be a good match. Christian, of course, is going to be able to teach him some stuff along the way. I see nothing negative about this. And even if Christian wins, there is potential to be like, okay, well, maybe he wins through some kind of underhanded method. And it's like, ah, kid, you know, I I didn't teach you everything. You still got a lot to learn. But I think the Jungle Boy should and will win this. No, he absolutely will not win this. Luchasaurus Luchasaurus is going to cost Jungle Boy the victory. Uh, is there something that happened over the, the two weeks that I didn't watch that is pointing no, in that? No, but like... There was nothing. No, that's the story they've been telling. 
that's the, the story they've been telling since um, they had Luchasaurus come in and support Christian, and he still he's still completely dressed in black and he's still coming out with a heel entrance. The only difference is now is that he's the the story I think is a simple one, which is Christian has told Luchasaurus to pretend that he's still aligned with Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus got himself suspended by headbutting Pat Buck. And so he's out of the picture for the time being. The whole time that Luchasaurus has realigned himself with Jungle Boy, he hasn't touched Christian Cage once. Oh, I didn't notice that. So, yeah, this is fully going to be that Luchasaurus is going to come out seemingly to help Jungle Boy say the Christian, say the referee's down and Christian gets a steel chair and he's about to hit Jungle Boy with it. Luchasaurus will grab the chair from him, turn around, swing it at Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy goes down. Christian hits the umpire, gets the victory. Kill switch, however he wants to refer to it. And yeah, and then that builds up to a more heated rematch, either at Grand Slam or Full Gear. Or Full Gear. So yeah, I think that um, 100% Christian Cage is winning this match. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that Jungle Boy is uh, mm. going to face defeat the first time around, but will end up winning the war. But he'll need to take down Luchasaurus before that as well. I think Luchasaurus Grand Slam, Christian Cage. Full year. In, I, I'd like to see them adopt the Impact Wrestling moniker of Full Metal Mayhem to just do a TLC with Pinfall and have Jungle Boy win that. I want to talk about how he said you're fighting Jack Perry on Sunday. This might be sacrilege. I kind of like the idea of not being Jungle, Jungle Boy anymore. Anyway. Kind of. Uh, look, I love Tarzan Boy. I think it's a phenomenal song, but I think it'll allow him to kick into another gear. And you've kind of, for me, gone as far as you can go. And it's also very clear that AEW with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, this is not the same AEW. You don't have as many like playful things going on as you did, let's say, in 2019 or 2020. So I think the move to Jack Perry might be a welcome one. And I also wouldn't hate Luchasaurus losing the mask, but I know that's kind of sacrilege. It's just kind of what I'm feeling. So, I mean, I didn't pick up on the Luchasaurus not actually doing anything against uh, Cage thing, so that changes my opinion. I, now I'm leaning more towards Christian. I don't think that nope, the Jack you, Perry you thing... Made your bed, you made your bed already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, well, you change things. Uh, the joke's on you. I try not to make my bed, and I argue with Caroline about it all the time. <laughs> but, I feel bad for Caroline. I don't get it. I'm going to go to sleep in it eventually anyway. It's just going to, you know, whatever. But <laughs> the uh, the Jack Perry thing, I don't think that that's necessarily a means to say that he's going to do that going forward. I think that that's just because there's been so much personal stuff. So it's just, hey, you're talking about my dad and whatever like that. Well, you know, the the fun's over. I'm not Jungle Boy. I'm actually just me. And you know, the power of my family is going to fuck you up this weekend kind of thing. You know, I'd be cool with a, a gradual transition where he starts off just being referred to as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Yeah, like JR has been calling him. Yeah. It's literally there. I'm sure, I'm, sure I'm sure JR is absolutely loving the fact that yeah. he's going to calling Jack Perry for this match instead. But, um, but yeah, I think that... I don't think there's anything wrong with being Jungle Boy still for a while. I think it's just... I'm fine with characters. It's a character. Otherwise, he's just Jack Perry. And to be fair, Jack Perry is not that interesting. 
Now, to be fair, I also like characters. I just think that this particular group has gotten away from that kind of character because, like, he's not walking around like Tarzan. He's not swinging from a You know what I mean? Like, he's not doing Jungle Boy things. He is just sort of morphing into Jack Perry. Luchasaurus, maybe he can keep the mask because it'd be a much grander transition. But I'm just saying that... I think the promotion is changing. Yeah, I'd be totally fine for them just calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry going forward, and then following that, less of the Jungle Boy part, more of the Jack Perry. Even giving him a haircut, put him in a hair versus hair match or something. But uh, you changed my opinion. Christian's winning this. I think it's going to be one of the best matches for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, be a good match. Very good match. Same thing when it comes to Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Very interested in this feud. I think that if you go with Hobbs in particular, I think that's probably the right decision because you could build him up and he could be fighting Wardlow or you know somebody else down the line. Starks, I think, can take the hit and people are still going to love him and I'm definitely down to see it. I'm going to go Hobbs. Uh, this, is, this is such a... No good vision of the future. It's like a good vision of the future, really. Like these two were a tag team, and now they're feuding each other, and they could both they both have that potential to be like the top guy in the company at some point. And see it in both of them, just because Hobbs has that incredible size and build, but he also has a good like and more understated charisma, whereas Ricky Starks is just so in your face and fantastic talker fantastic wrestler but he is is an absolute star and i think that he should i think he should get the victory in this first match but i i definitely don't want to see the feud end with this one match i think there's a lot they could get out of this one make it much more personal make it much more physical between the two of them beyond just but no, Pop's turning on Ricky Starks, and pretty much since then, Ricky Starks has mainly been feuding with uh, the factory more than he has Hobbs. But I think that I, I guess they've done the thing where Hobbs, uh, the factory, took out Ricky Starks, and maybe they could just play into the injury angle, and that makes Hobbs the favourite to win. But I think that they could get a good reaction of having Starks get the victory, pull the victory out, even though he was struggling, and have um, Hobbs beat him up some more afterwards or beat him up on the next episode of Dynamite and we just continue on until we get into more of the blood feud territory. But, I'd be down for that. Yeah, but I, I I would say I'd be cool with either one winning. I really don't have a, a horse in this fight because I'm a horse in this fight, horse in this race. I don't I know do. if horses fight each other that much. But uh. I, I made a mistake with a horse saying last night too. Don't don't feel bad. It was... <laughs> oh yeah, so um, I think that... Uh, yeah, either guy wins. I'm totally cool with it because they're both great, but I'll lean towards Ricky Starks in this instance. I'm leaning towards Starks as well. I think Hobbs gets the win back or like the Grand Slam rampage, and then I think they blow it off somewhere mutual, probably on television, because really these men should be TNT title bound soon. And another match that is going to kick some serious ass. Chris Jericho against Brian Danielson. Can't go wrong with this. 
Chris really Chris Jericho is. Yeah. I, how's Chris Jericho gotten like better? Better better in the last couple of months. Like, I know that obviously Jericho is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I'm pretty sure among all of us, he's one of like maybe not like top top favorite, but like the guy he's in that the we all, ranks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, guy a guy that we all like would say is like a hall of famer, like top tier talent that type of level. And Danielson's obviously great as well, but Jericho has just stepped it up in the last couple of months to the point where it's almost like people, he just read every single comment of everyone talking about his dad bod and all the other stuff. And he was taking up too much TV time. But he said, right, well, I'm going to keep taking that TV time, but I'm going to show you that I'm like, I'm as good as I always was. And this is an, uh, like the match that he had against um, Moxley is arguably the best match he's had in, well, since AEW started. Like that was awesome, and against Danielson, who is among, if not the best wrestler in the world right now, this can only go to like this can only be a great match. I can't see any envision any world where this isn't fantastic, and it has the added wrinkle of what is Daniel Garcia going to do? So you know, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. If I could just be honest, whatever Daniel Garcia is going to do, can he fucking do it after the bell rings? Because I just want to see these two have a match. And I just want to see it be a great match. I can't believe we didn't get this match more than twice. And it's been 10 years. Uh, I can't wait for this. I, I always just like, because now I'm just seeing this. Like, it just brings me back to that first episode of NXT. Mm-hmm. The first, oh, my God. The main event of the first episode of NXT right. was, was Daniel Bryan versus Chris Jericho. When Chris Jericho was the world heavyweight champion. And Daniel Bryan was the, rookie. the guy that you saw absolutely nothing in, Tony. Yeah, the guy that I was just like, I don't fucking understand why everybody's going nuts about this dude. <laughs> yeah. And it's now, what, that? so that was 2010. It's now 13 years, well, 12 years, 12, 13 years beyond that point. These two are now, well, Jericho is goated. He's one of the, considered one of the greatest of all time in many people's eyes. And Danielson is definitely on that trajectory as well. So, yeah, this is just going to be epic. And again, I don't really care who wins because I just want to see the match. But I think they should give it to Danielson. I think they should absolutely give it to Danielson. I think Jericho deserves all his flowers. I don't care what anyone says. Look, Jericho's fantastic. And this should serve in the next step in getting Daniel Garcia ready for... Uh, either a solo run or a BCC run. I, and honestly, anyone who wants to complain, I haven't heard too much of it, but anyone who wants to complain that, that the top two matches on this show are X WWE guys fighting against each other. Fuck off because Jericho and Danielson and punk and Moxley, you would do it too. If you had them. So do not complain and let these guys do what they do best. And I think, we should all never forget that we should treasure Danielson for every minute that we've got him because I'm sure that window is getting shorter and shorter. And even though we don't talk about it as much with Jericho, despite the fact that he's, you know, much older, uh, Jericho is also the window is getting shorter and shorter. Enjoy this stuff. And I'm sure they're going to give you the best show they possibly can. I think that Daniel Garcia is definitely getting involved here. And I think that it's the full on transition from him to, leave Jericho Appreciation Society and start heading towards uh, BCC. Daniel I don't like it if he didn't join anybody. 
Doesn't need to. Like, you know what? But, uh, I mean, well, there yeah. is an interesting wrinkle in the fact that he's going to be fighting Wheelie Uta soon yes. for the pure title again. I don't know what uh, what is that on Dynamite? That's on Dynamite next Wednesday. Yeah, so if he is part of the Blackpool Combat Club and they're going into that, it could be a a nice little moment where it's like Claudio's in the corner of Wheelie Uta and Danielson's in the corner of Garcia, and it's almost like like we now get the actual you know respectful match between these two as opposed to the mm-hmm. match they had at. Um, uh, yeah, the last honor. yeah death for dishonor where it was more uh yeah more these two just getting each other's face and talking each other down now just be like a very pure rules match and i would, I would definitely be down to see gossier win the title because i think and just keep it within bcc but you just take a different direction with it so yeah it could be some nice friendly competition between the two of them at that point and i think that. Yeah, I, I think that there will be some involvement for Garcia. I think he'll be just... I don't think he'll interfere in the match itself. He'll more than likely just take out the attempts at interference by someone like Hager right. or uh, 2.0 instead. But um, Or Sammy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sammy definitely as well. So, so you can always start a few with Sammy. Yeah, because they, they did have an animosity between the two of them. I thought that would be the catalyst for him joining. Uh, that combo club was him not enjoying the fact that Sammy had rejoin the Jericho Appreciation Society. But I think that, uh, yeah, they could definitely have a feud with each other. They could feud over the Pure Championship as well if they decide to go in that direction. But just for this match in particular, I'll say Garcia helps Danielson get the victory. Same here. And then that's our main event is John Moxley against CM Punk, the match we saw a couple seconds of with Dynamite. Here's where I think that we're going to get uh, all three spectrums. Me high, Callum, or me low, Callum high, Rob in the middle. You can tell me if I uh, am wrong about this, but you're probably really into this, right, Callum? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, as the middle ground, I will start this. Because I think that they told a really special story in Chicago on Dynamite. I think it's that. I think it's cool that CM Punk was all but ready to quit. Ace Steel got the opportunity to be on TV and say, hey, you know, I trained you. He, he introduced himself, in case you didn't know, which I think smart on his part. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't I trained you. And then he, he smacks Punk cross face. He even says, you're going to fucking get up. And, like, it was just this very, like, hell yeah, Chicago moment. And they managed to do something really special with 96 hours to go. And I never want to see them do it again. I want to be clear about that. Never, ever, 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 ever want to see them do it again. However, I think that that was a crazy special moment. And CM Punk has to beat the shit out of John Moxley in Chicago. And I think... They managed to pull, again, another one of those rabbits where it's like, all right, I didn't know where they were going to go. I didn't know what they were going to do, but that made me really excited for Sunday. And I think that they deserve their praise for that. However, again, never do it again. And I don't love that it's a weird, it sets a weird precedent of, ugh, the WWE guy gets to have his 
title shot right after losing in three minutes. Yes, there was an open contract. Yes, they titled the loopholes, but it's still like they didn't title loophole. Know, of how was an open contract out there, and nobody wanted to get it? Yeah, how did no one else scramble for it? But uh, a steal. <laughs> but other than that, I, I thumbs up for me for the segment because you had to get punk hyped for Chicago. Here's one of my flaws with it. And this is something that I know I am very much in the minority of. Uh, in the same kind of way that like I don't give a shit about celebrities and I don't hero worship. And I'm also not the type of person who's like, I, you know, Philadelphia Eagles are my team. And yeah, I'm so glad that they won because I'm from around the vicinity of it. I don't give a fuck that this is happening in Chicago and that punk is from Chicago. And that's the story. So I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. You give a win to Moxley and then you give a win to Punk so that way you can split the difference and they both get their big victory and they, they kind of, neither of them looks weak and whatever, but then you basically just kind of gave Punk a second title win and it's just befuddled, uh, not befuddled, uh, a, a muddied kind of situation to me that I'm like, that was the plan. I don't like it. And if the whole thing is just like, yeah, but the Chicago fans like, fuck yeah, the Chicago guy's going in Chicago and he's winning in Chicago because Chicago. Eh, fuck if I care. Especially since it's like, well, we've seen yay Chicago from AEW alone. Like, I don't know how many times. Eh. Plus, at the end result is it's just the punk rain. I haven't been loving the punk stuff to begin with. So if well, the to be fair, like it hasn't started yet, he's had all the different feuds that he's had so far. And if you go back oh, to you the, mean in general, in, in general, like I, people have been going nuts over punk and I'm like, yeah, I think it's interesting, but like, I don't think that he's had banger match after banger match. And I'm not particularly interested in seeing punk against certain people for that title. Like, I mentioned before, I think Andrade has a shot to win that casino thing. Honestly, if it's Andrade versus CM Punk on like an episode of Dynamite, I'm probably going to fast forward it. Like it, it's there's no hook for me to be like, man, this is so interesting. And then it's going to lead to all these interesting things. Instead, I'm like, I don't give a shit about the Chicago thing. And then what's going to come out of it is either Moxley retains and it's kind of all rah, rah, pointless or Punk wins and it's. Okay, so I still don't think he should have beaten Hangman. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm part of that group that's just like, this isn't striking me where it should. It could still be fun. And I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong about like the long term of this. But uh, a lot of people on Twitter being like, fuck yeah, they won me over. And my tweet was, nope, not sold. Not feeling it. Around us out with some positivity, uh, Callum. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say they pulled a miracle by making people interested for a rematch that of a match they saw just a week ago, and the fact they managed to condense what should realistically be a two or three month story into three weeks of television, pretty much. I think that they've taken a direction of this which is unique and something that we just wouldn't expect or wouldn't typically see which is 
a title match two weeks afterwards after like punk came back like three or four weeks ago and they've managed to already have a big um brawl between the two of them on the first week a title match the second week that was a squash and then the following week moxley pretty much i'll say turns heel but he turns heel in the city that he's going to be resting in for the next week anyway and they do a whole redemption arc thing with CM Punk trying to essentially find himself again and feel like whether he can come back and do it again. And I think that this is the only time you could do it or the only in situation you could do something like this when he is so attached to Chicago and Chicago has such a special place for him and it's such a special city for AEW in general that that is the thing that could push him after suffering such a humiliating defeat and having to come to terms with the limitations that he now faces within the juicy injury, the broken foot that he suffered. I think that that is the only way that you could tell a believable story of him overcoming the odds, taking it back to Moxley, having an actual like banger match, probably a bloodbath because 90% of John Moxley matches yeah. are bloodbaths. He's bleeding for sure. Yeah. And him managing to secure that redemption, actually hold the title, make it feel almost more important than when he won it against Hangman Page because he's had to come from underneath, suffer that humiliation and come back even stronger. And that could help set the precedent for a potentially even stronger title reign, which would probably end with him losing the title to MJF. But that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. I... But the thing that makes this the most exciting for me is that I'm not convinced that Punk's going to win. Really? No, I think that you could tell just as fun a story and maybe an even more fun story about just Punk just going fucking crazy about the fact that he did this whole rah-rah speech and he's in Chicago and he feels 100% and he can really do it and have Moxley beat him again. Punk would go mental. Punk would be, like, destroyed, like, emotionally and... Like, have to just find, like, what is the point of me even being here? And just have to find something else to build that motivation. And Moxley has been so good as champion that I don't really want it to end. And if it ends like this and it ends in, like, a really great match and it ends with Punk either, like, cheating to win to get some sort of edge on Moxley and he would still be treated as the babyface in Chicago but going forward it might signal a bit of a wrinkle in his character about what lengths he's willing to go to to hold that title belt so that could be interesting or just having Punk like just overcome the odds be like the veteran that is just he's got one final big swing left in him and just see how long he can hold the title for before he ends up dropping it to MJF or somebody in the, the future I think there's definitely a good story to tell here, but I'm almost more interested by the story of Moxley wins, continues to be the dominant world champion, and Punk has to pretty much rebuild back from square one. I'd be and, way more interested in that. Oh yeah, but I, I think that there's a real possibility they could do that, because even though Moxley tried his hardest to get under the skin of the Chicago crowd by basically shitting on CM Punk for about five minutes in his opening promo, um, the crowd still like Moxley. So I don't think that they would begrudge him if he does get the victory over Punk in this. I think it'd be quite interesting to see what the overall crowd reaction is. Because I feel like there will be some people that will favour Moxley over Punk in the same way that there were a small smattering of people that favoured John Cena when he fought CM Punk at Money in the Bank in 2011. So 
there will be that more of a mixed crowd. And so I think they could get away with having Moxley get the victory. Don't get me wrong, like, if gun to my head, I'm predicting the same punk as the victory because that seems to be the logical direction they're going. But there's a big part of me that would prefer to see Moxley win and see how that affects punk going forward. And the fact that Moxley feels right now is like he's the guy. He is the top guy that AEW has. He's having the best matches. He's cutting the best promos. He's just everything revolving around John Moxley is great at the moment. So I kind of don't want to see that come to an end unless they have something else planned for him in the near future because yeah, but either way, I think they've done a really good job of making this feel unique. And even though I did see this match two weeks ago because it was so short and it was so straightforward, it doesn't feel like I'm going to be seeing it for the, yeah the second time afterwards in the knowledge that I mean who knows this match could go eight minutes and Moxley could win ten minutes <laughs> but that's the thing I, I like the fact that there feels like at least for me and maybe I'm just completely alone in this that there is an element of unpredictability to this match even though we saw the match two weeks ago and it was about as one side as you get in a kayfabe sense it should everyone should feel that Moxley's going to win but then there's the Chicago factor and the fact that Punk maybe feels now more at home about the fact that he knows that he's going to have to be a bit more careful on his foot. But yeah, but I think that this is going to be a great way to win the match and a great way to win the show. And whatever the result, I think that there are interesting possibilities for the future beyond, uh, beyond the match itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much thumbs up on the whole front. Well, you're going ultimately CM Punk winning the title back, and I'm going in the same. Rob uh, accidentally got like out of the phone call here. I don't know what's happening with like his internet connection or whatever, but I'm pretty sure that he was leaning more towards Punk as well. And um, now if we have any kind of adjustments to that when we talk about the hot tags tomorrow, then we'll come back around to that. But the big story for the hot tags tomorrow is going to be the world's collide predictions because we didn't talk about those yet. We're not doing a separate uh, pay-per-view point. We're kind of merging those together, but the all out card when it comes to Sunday night is going to round out the weekend, hopefully with some really great matches and some twists and turns that are going to make things even more interesting going forward. I am still excited about the pay-per-view, but I do feel like I am probably going to be feeling that burnout considerably and that I'll probably look at this and go, oh my God, this felt like it was like seven hours long and it didn't need to be. And I hope that at least at the end of the night, because a lot of the things are sort of whatever the main event is, how that tends to lead towards if people really liked it or they didn't. I'm hoping that I don't just feel kind of blah about it because this should be the biggest deal. I'm, I'm not feeling it. So um, we'll see, of course. And we'll see if we're right about our predictions and Everything else that goes along with that when it comes to Sunday night post show coming immediately after the event where it's most likely going to be me because uh, it's going to be super late for Callum. I don't expect you to be up still, but if you are, then obviously for, uh, for all out uh, post show. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be up for this. Oh, this awesome. Time. There you go. Well, almost certainly. I can't say with like, um, I'm definitely not working the next day. So I oh, okay. a day off afterwards. So if I'm still awake, then definitely I'll be on it. But um yeah, I do have a tendency to fall asleep during one match during an AEW show. So, <laughs> so you have to figure out which one it was. Let's see. Uh, do we have a prediction of what that match might be? 
Cargolafina? Um, I would. It's it's actually usually like an important one. <laughs> like there's always it's for some reason it's like it's, it's usually not the main event. I imagine if I'm going to force Lake during a match this time, I think it'll probably be through the trios title match. But it, it usually depends. It's usually like the third match from the top of the card is usually the one where I just like my body just fatigues and gives out at that <laughs> point, and then I just wake up during the middle of it and just try and catch back up on it before the uh, podcast does. So we will see that, um, and you know, hopefully, we all end up enjoying all three pay per views and everything. And hopefully, you enjoyed this podcast. So thank you for listening to that. If you want more. We got more coming your way, as I mentioned. Hot tags and Worlds Collide predictions, then three pay-per-view post shows, and then look at that. It turns into another week, and then <laughs> I don't know what we're necessarily going to do. Currently, the uh, idea that I've been kind of workshopping is maybe doing fantasy booking the all-time ultimate NXT UK card, just because that's done. I mean, technically, at this point, it's over, because this is uh, 4.49 p.m., on thursday and that episode already aired i didn't watch it yet because nobody fucking cares and you know me not putting up the results in that time doesn't matter but we uh surprise tyler bates the champion <laughs> if you didn't watch nxt over the past couple weeks but the uh the nxt k thing is gonna be brand new to be over with so we might bounce back and talk more about that uh, we might do something else entirely i don't know if you have any suggestions, drop those in the comments below and also hit that like button to show that you enjoyed this podcast and make sure that you are checking out smartcatmoma.com and fanboysanonymous.com for that matter too. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. Check out amangotree.com for all the other links and follow me at Tony Mango for all that stuff. Follow Rob over there at Dude Felice and follow Callum. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Check out the stuff that'll be going out on the Smartcat Moment website throughout this week and well, all next week and every week perpetually for the end of time. But uh, yeah. next, uh, well, the weekend Got a lot of posts scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> in the weekend in particular, you should be checking out the Power Rankings, my week-to-week contribution. That will be up just before uh, Clash of the Castle. So you can find out what the standings will be prior to the pay-per-view itself taking place. And there is, of course, the Fantasy League as well. Of course, that has ramifications that are associated with Clash of the Castle and how our prediction contest goes. But make sure you're following all of the standings, who's picking up points on a week-to-week basis. And, yeah, that's it for me. And I think just for the sake of Rob, check out Fightful and Fightful Selects and all that other stuff as well because that's how he that's how he earns that bread. <laughs> Hopefully it's like some good ciabatta or focaccia or, you know, one of those better breads. Not one of those hard torpedo rolls with the ends that suck what's the best type of bread you have over there in the uk if you had to um, say like ah oh, the one bread you gotta try or something <laughs> it's such an odd, odd question but <laughs> are, 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 are there different breads like are there it's like uh, I, like i'm pretty sure i can get ciabatta in the in the uk as well so. i don't know i mean like when i went to brazil like they've got this type of bread from this place called Cairo. that's like i've never had that here they might yeah. have it somewhere, but it's like this, like really soft bread that with like a buttery cheese kind of thing in the middle. No, I, I can't say that there's a particular like British bread which I'm aware of that uh, <laughs> that you would be able to get anywhere else. Like I'm a I'm a partial to some tiger bread. Tiger bread. I don't know if I know that. I'm gonna have to look that uh, up. Yeah, uh, maybe it is. Maybe that is the one UK one. Then uh, I think it's also known as giraffe bread or somewhere like that as well. <laughs> it's just different animals. So, yeah, well, in this it looks, country, it's it looks like giraffe skin. Yeah, it looks like a giraffe skin. So, huh. 
This looks but, good. I'd eat it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite nice. But then you can't. It could also can't be a uh, a good baguette. Ah, baguettes. Well. Yeah, I'm seeing giraffe bread loaf. I'm seeing uh, tiger bread. Maybe there's hippo bread. I don't know. Now I want some bread. So <laughs> anybody, uh, uh, tell us your favorite bread in the comments too, and we will see you next time. This has been another smart gal moment, and we are being counted out.